Welcome to the Portland Christian Center Podcast. This week, we will hear from Pastor Nate Lindsay on Living Hope. Now here is Pastor Nate. Thank you. Wow. Wow. Oh, I'm going to take it back. Thank you so much. You can have a seat. Thank you so much. Um, we are so grateful to be here with all of you, and we want to give our boys a couple moments to say something. So, Tate, are you ready to say something? Yeah. Okay. Rick, thank you, Pastor Rick. Here we go. All right. This is Tate. Stand over here so everyone can see you. Ah. <laughs> uh, excuse me. I... I I want you to do the pieces Uh you forget worship or something. <laughs> what? Excuse me. God made you special and loves you very much. And That's good. I go. want That's good. you to go. I want you. I want you to sing. Okay. okay. Thank you, Tate. Amen. All right. That is Tate. You want to go back to Panina. <laughs> Tate, stay up here, buddy. All right. And Tate has a, a word from the Lord every Sunday, so we look forward to that. And this is our oldest son, Titus. Hi, PCC. I am 10, and I like basketball and baseball, and I'm really excited to see what the church is going to do, and yeah. That's awesome. Good job. Awesome. Good job. <laughs> These are our mighty men, and I'm Mayel, and it is such an honor to be here with you today, and I'm excited because we all get to hear from my favorite preacher, Pastor Nate Linseth. Oh, thanks. Oh, thanks. Well... You are my favorite preacher, so the feeling's mutual. Wow. Man, so good to be here. I just have to say, um, wow, it's been a little bit of time, over a year for all of you, and we just want to say thank you to the board and the search team and the pastors. We feel so honored and so grateful, and uh, we're just excited for what God has for all of us. God's not done with anyone in this room. Amen. And we just believe great, great things are on the way. You know, it was December 28, 2021. We got a phone call from this church in Portland, Oregon, that was not on our radar at all. We had been praying since July, I'm sorry, June of last year, 2021. And we knew God had been strategically stirring in our hearts that something new was happening. But we had no idea about Portland Christian Center. And when they called, immediately when I told Mayel, we both looked at each other and we said, that's it. That's what we're supposed to lean into. And as we've kind of gone through this journey of, to be honest, there's been moments where we've been like, yes, yes. And we're like, we're not sure. <laughs> have you ever had those moments? Now, don't look at your spouse next to you, but we all have had those moments. <laughs> Where we're like, man, I don't know what's this gonna, what's gonna happen. You know, in those moments, we need to understand the best ways to respond to those things, and we learn those ways um, hopefully from the Bible, from Scripture. But oftentimes, we learn how we respond for better or for worse from our family. 
And I have um, been privileged to be raised in a Pentecostal preacher's home, Assemblies of God. Uh, my, gra- my great-grandfather was a pastor, and he did prison ministry. And then my grandpa was a church planter. They called it uh, pioneering churches back then. Anybody heard that term, pioneering churches? Um, and then uh, my dad is still a pastor uh, in the Tri-Cities, which we've been on staff with him, and it's been, it's been wonderful. But you know, when there's moments in our lives when we're not sure how things are going to turn out, what do you do, right? We learned those from our family members. I remember there was a time when I really was completely unsure of what was going to happen next. Um, I had just uh, started dating a really beautiful girl, and I thought it would be great for her, I was gonna impress her, to have her come watch me play basketball. Uh, And it was a city league in Kent, Washington. And so I brought my my now wife, Mael, and I decided um, to invite my parents, they came, and then my grandma, Grandma Marion, who the joke is whenever they would go to church, they, my grandpa Oscar and grandpa Marion would be arguing who would get to preach that Sunday. <laughs> and grandma Marion is full of the Holy Spirit. She is someone who knows God and she's with him now in heaven. And I remember playing this basketball game and somebody fouled me pretty hard, knocked me to the ground and he actually landed on top of me. And before he got up, he headbutted me right in the forehead. He just went, boom, and then gets up. So immediately my defense mechanisms kick in. I jump up like this, right? I look at him and I realize he's way taller than me. (laughs) So I look at him, you know, and I'm not really sure what I'm going to do. And before I could even like say anything, one of my teammates who it was kind of like a pickup league. I'd never met him before that day. He punches the guy right in the face. Have you ever had emotions? Like, I have no idea that was coming. And then next thing I know, his teammates start fighting. And I look, and I, I'm just in the middle of this melee. And I've never had one of these things happen. And I have a girlfriend in the stands. <laughs> so I look back, and I see, I see Mael. And the person who stands out the most is my grandma, Marion. She stands up, and the whole crowd stretches their arms out and goes, Jesus! And then she starts speaking in tongues. She's just calling on God. And I asked Mael later, I was like, what were you thinking when all this was happening? She was like, what the heck did I get myself into? Fortunately, she's still here. Praise, praise the Lord. But you know, for all of us, we've been in those seasons. Sometimes things take us by surprise. You didn't have any idea what was, what was going to happen. COVID, right? We all have gone through this journey. And what I want to encourage you with is that if it's not good, God's not done. Look at your neighbor and say, if it's not good, God's not done. You know, when we started telling people about Portland and this opportunity that came up, I can't tell you how many people would respond to us with statements like, why would you want to go to Portland? <laughs> people started saying things like, there's no hope for Portland. Like that city's way too far gone. Haven't you seen the news? 
And there was like this spiritual, like holy fire that started to rise up in my and me. And we started to pray and we kept hearing the Holy Spirit say, God's not done with Portland yet. God's not done with this city yet. If it's not good, God's not done. And there began to be this calling. And as we prayed, and I'll never forget in our hotel room, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, trust me in this process. As long as the door is open, you walk through it with boldness, with fire, because I go before you, I'm behind you, I'm all around you. And God has something brand new revival for the city of Portland and for Portland Christian Center. Amen. Yes. And Mael and I, we came to this city, came, to, came into this church, and it was, it was pretty funny because they, they, the first time we ever saw this church was at night, about 9.30 at night. And as soon as we drove up, we see these three beautiful crosses and this light. And Mael immediately has this word from the Lord that this is a city on a hill. This is going to light up the darkness. And so one of the things all of us, all of us have to fight for is it's a lot easier to curse the darkness than to light it up. It's a lot easier to look at somebody and say, no, nah, I don't think I have to engage with you versus asking the Holy Spirit, what's the word that you have for that person? Because you never know who you're going to meet, what God's doing behind the scenes. And I believe with all my heart, there's hope for Portland because Jesus is king. Jesus is king. Would you say it with me? There's hope for Portland. One, two, three. There's hope for Portland. And as believers, we have a secret. I call it the secret sauce, the secret ingredient. And here's what it is. We know how it ends. John 16, says, I have told you all of this. This is Jesus speaking so that you may have peace in me. People say, how can you have peace in a city like Portland? I have a king who's greater than everything. And this is what he says here on earth. You will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I, not me, he, I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. One of the greatest inventions I've ever seen is a DVR. <laughs> and it's so funny because people are be like, man, I don't know if I could do this, this or that because the game's on or my show's on. And now that, that has kind of just gone out the window. Everybody's like, just record it. But here's the funny thing. People oftentimes, if there's something that they're wanting to watch, like a sports game, you'll hear them say, don't tell me the score. Why? Because you'll ruin it. But I remember one time it was a playoff game where everybody was super intense and the person had recorded it. We went and we all watched it and everyone was like trying not to find out the score. It was like a day later and we show up and the guy that's hosting the event, uh, he already knew the score and he didn't say a word. All of us, as we're watching this game, we're just like, ah, oh no, ah, like we're freaking out. We're excited. Oh, I didn't see that coming. And the whole time he's just smiling, <laughs> calm as a cucumber. Why? Because he knew his team won. Can I tell you something? God already spoke and we already won. So if you're wondering if we're going to win, if there's victory that's coming, absolutely. He just said we overcome. We already overcame. Why? Because Jesus overcame. So we have peace. So if you have, um, if you're taking notes, the big idea that I want you to write down, we'll repeat it a few times. We fight from victory, not for victory. Amen. We fight from victory, 
not for victory. So, so how, how can I say something like that? Well, today is a beautiful day to be reminded that Jesus is on the throne. He knew that we would be here, that you would be here before you were even born. And the best days are right in front of us. And I do believe this. This is no coincidence that today is Pentecost Sunday. For those of you that, that, that are unaware, Pentecost Sunday, you can find it in Acts chapter 2. A group of believers are praying in the upper room, 120 of them. And the Holy Spirit comes, shakes the room, shakes the earth. And they start speaking in tongues and fire comes on their heads and people start showing up. What is all this? And they're like, you're speaking in our language. How do you know that? They're drunk. What's going on? And what happens? 3,000 people get saved. Boom. And the church is born. And it hasn't stopped growing and advancing ever since. And we get to be a part of that every single day of our lives. And that leads us, if you follow in Acts, to two very important figures, Paul and Silas. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 16, verse 22 through 34. Now, to set, this, to set the stage just a little bit, Paul and Silas are in a place called Troas, and they have a, a vision of someone in Macedonia saying, help me. So they get on a boat and they travel to Macedonia. Interesting fact, the king there, um, his name was, his name was um, King Philip II. He started the city in 356 BC, the same year his son, heir to the throne, Alexander the Great, was born. So very interesting. All this is happening. And one of the things that you find in history, God moves in strategic times and places in ways that we didn't even see it coming. And it's always better than what we thought. We just have to stay in long enough to see it. So they go, they're obeying the call of God. Now, if you're kind of pictured, put yourself in the story a second. You're obeying God's call on your life. You're following him. He says, do this. Oftentimes, when you, we think we're taking a step with God, that we will have no adversity. So it's going to be clean sailing, right? Everything's going to be smooth. I heard God. And one of the lies people often believe, if it's not easy, I didn't hear God right, which is just a complete lie. Oftentimes, our greatest struggles are setups for his greatest victory. And so what happens is they go and they're preaching the gospel and there's this demon possessed slave girl who won't leave Paul alone. She keeps yakking and he gets so frustrated. He says he calls out the demon. She gets healed and we should be celebrating, right? Like, this is awesome. Well, the slave owner is angry because he just lost all of his money. She was telling the future and doing all these different things and everybody was coming. There's this amazing crowd. And then all of a sudden, Paul and Silas do a miracle, and look what happens to them. We're going to pick it up in verse 22. It says this, a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them, stripped and beaten with wooden rods. Could you imagine? Seriously, like if I was up here or maybe somewhere out here at church, one of us, we all prayed for somebody, and they got healed, and next thing you know, the police show up, and they say, boom, crack your leg throw you in prison. Not nah, no miracles today. Could you imagine? Like I'm with God and things are happening and I'm experiencing heavy persecution. 
That's the place they're finding themselves. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Now, I'm going to put a picture on the screen. Uh, you can go there today. If you look really closely, you can see Paul and... No, just kidding. He's not in there. <laughs> but those are, that's what it looks like. And there's actually a little plaque that says Paul and Silas's uh, little prison. But I want you to get a feel for this because if you look at it, think about how cold at night it would have been to be in something like that. How lonely it would have felt. How quiet. Wondering if God is really with me. So let's read a little bit longer. It says, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Ooh. And the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundation. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Come on, somebody give a shout of praise for that. So good. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. Now, pause there just for a moment. I want you to think about that for a minute. He's just been beaten. Paul has been beaten, stripped, flogged, thrown in prison, and God's doing this miracle, and this guy's about to kill himself. If we're being honest, maybe we're thinking, oh, God's even going before us. He's even killing people for us. One of the ways you know you're full of the Holy Spirit is you have heart for people that are your enemies. One of the ways that you know God's working in your life is that you actually pray for those who curse you. You actually have a heart for the lost. So it says in verse 28, but Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, sirs, this is such a great question, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he had everyone in the household were immediately baptized. They had a midnight baptism. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. Right now, I just want to pray. If there's anybody here and you have family members that don't know God, one of the things we're praying for is household salvations. Would you just raise your hand? I'm just going to pray for you. If you have somebody in your family that doesn't know Jesus, Father, right now you see every hand. We just agree right now by the power of Jesus Christ. We declare that our whole family will come to know you. No one will be left. No one will be left without having a chance to encounter your presence. They're going to, even now as we're praying, even across time zones, God, you're going to reach out and you're going to touch people. People maybe in Ethiopia watching this right now. We just pray, Father, that you would touch them that they would find you and that household salvations would happen in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. The prison gates flew open. Hmm. What if Paul and Silas would have just felt bad for themselves? What if they would have just sat there and their song was, 
Nobody knows <laughs> the trouble I've seen. What if that was their, their position? Because the truth is, it's not just what happens to us that matters, it's how we respond to it that really matters. And one of the things that Paul and Silas teach us is that when we face trials and tribulations, what comes out of us is so important. It's so important. Let's not quit. Let's not abandon anybody. Let's not leave Portland. Unless God's calling you to be a missionary. We're going to be missionaries across the street and around the world. We have a heart to see this city be transformed by the love, grace, and power of Jesus Christ. We fight from victory, not for victory. So because our battle is different, one of the things I want to remind you is we do not fight with flesh and blood. We fight with spiritual powers and darkness. We pray. We intercede. So we fight from victory, not for victory. And so our weapons are going to look a little different. Did you know that God's given you some weapons? If you read Ephesians 6, you have the entire armor of God that is meant to help you fight your battles well. Today, I'm just going to talk about three very simple but powerful tools that I want you to start using to fight the battle because people's lives are at stake. Their eternity is at stake. The first weapon that I want you to write down is Scripture. Is scripture. Why is scripture so important? The word of God is our weapon that leads you to the truth. It is alive and active and sharper than any double edged sword. We can have hope because it is a weapon that speaks the truth. When I feel hopeless, I can look to the word of truth, which is where I find freedom. The word of God is living and active and powerful. And what I agree with in scripture, I have freedom for in this life. I want to say this to you. Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave because he overcame. I can overcome. All right, we're going to talk together. You ready? Because he overcame. Ooh, that was pretty good. Let's start over here. You ready? Because he overcame. Come on, I overcome. We're working on our grammar letter. It's cool. <laughs> because he has the victory, I have the victory. And I want, to, I want to hear this. It's really good. Because he says I'm free, I am free. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. All of those things that I'm telling you are found rooted in Scripture. I'm not making any of this up. One of the greatest um, enemies of the church right now is biblical illiteracy. People that don't know the word of God or that they're getting fed simply by reading other books about the Bible. Like, I'm all for commentaries. I'm all for growing and learning. But you need to have the word of God in your house, in your home, everywhere you go. And you need to study the actual words of the Bible. Why? Because it's living, active, and sharper than any two-edged sword, and it will set you free. Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And where is the truth? In the Word of God. One of the things at PCC that we will be committed to, if this believing of this all goes the way we're believing it's going to go, one of the things Myel and I are just absolutely committed to is being solid on the Word of God, the truth on the Word of God. 
Many um, theologians believe that the hymns and songs that Paul and Silas were singing were actually words from the Torah and songs that David wrote. They were things that they had been hearing. They were actually words of God. And it set the captives free. Philippians 1.6 says this, and I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day that Christ Jesus returned. Why did I read that verse to you? Because some of you need to remember, God's not done with you. You may have had an encounter or a couple different encounters. and You're thinking, man, I'm following God. It's going pretty good. You need to read your Bible again. There's a really fancy word called sanctification. It's his ongoing work in you to start looking more and more like Jesus every single day. And one of the ways that you do that, one of the weapons you use is just get in the word of God. Fall in love with God's word. It's amazing. And I'll give you a, a little warning. Just stay out of Leviticus the first year of your faith, okay? <laughs> It'll keep you awake and excited. If it's not good, God's not done. So the first weapon, number one, say it with me. What is it? Scripture. Oh, come on. Let's all say it together. One, two, three. Scripture. The second weapon that we have is prayer. Prayer. A prayerless church is a powerless church. We will be committed to prayer. Ephesians 6, 12 says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of this unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. A personal story, Mael and I, we were in our house in Titus, kept waking up, with, it was a few years ago, and he kept having these horrible nightmares and horrible dreams. And we were, we were really struggling with this. And so Myel and I started talking and she said, bring some anointing oil from, from the church. So we got it and we started anointing his bedroom with oil and we began to call on God and we began to pray. And that night he had a vision with Jesus and angels singing over him and he had one of the best nights of sleep of his life. Don't tell me he can't do it. Don't tell me he can't change your story. Don't tell me he can't show up in your dreams because that's the God we serve. Amen. And the reason I put this in the, in, the, in the category of a weapon is so many Christians just play their lives on defense, just waiting for things to happen. We're saying, no, 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 no. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And we will do valiantly because it's he that treads down all of our enemies. And we love people well because God's touched our hearts. So we don't fight for victory. We already have it. We fight from victory because we've already got it. I always want to encourage you. There's greater works for you to do. And so many people think, I don't know if I can. I just want to tell you, God's with you. He's in you. He's for you. And you are more than a conqueror. Paul and Silas. Saul, Paul's first name was Saul. And so many people thought there's no way that guy would be a Christian. He was killing Christians. And yet God gets a hold of his life. I want to just challenge you again. Look again. Pray again. Who in your life are you thinking there's no way? 
What part of your city are you thinking there's no way? What neighbor are you thinking there's no way? Pray again. Pray again. Look again. God's not done. So the first weapon was what? Man, you guys are smart. I love it. I love it. Second, second one? Prayer. Prayer. Third and final one is worship. Worship. Worship is amazing. If I could have the worship team come up behind me. Worship is powerful. Worship is your weapon. There's a story. I love this. I actually was in a play. Mael was in a, a, a play as well about a king named Jehoshaphat. Have you ever heard of that guy, Jehoshaphat? Oh, what a great name, by the way. And he is about to be destroyed. An entire army that outnumbers him, better fighters on all different levels, they should be killed and destroyed. And you know what they do? They go to God and they start praying. And they say, what should we do? Second Chronicles 20, 21 through 22 says this. When he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who sang to the Lord and those who praised him in holy attire as they went out before the army and said, give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness is everlasting. When they began singing and praising, the Lord set ambushes against the sons of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir who had come against Judah. So they were routed. They won the battle singing a song. How many of us have lost their song? because they feel like their battle is lost. One of the ways you know victory is in the camp, especially if you study Old Testament, is they would sing. They would be singing in the camp. One of the signs of joy and health is that people sing. When I was in college, I was studying to be a pastor at Northwest University in Kirkland. And if you watch the YouTube video, I shared part of this um, in my message a couple weeks ago. But I want to repeat it again because I feel like it's so important. I had blown out my knee playing basketball. And a good thing in my life had become a God thing. The priorities of my life were out, out of, just be out of whack. And so I remember going and my knee is swollen. At one point, they took out 12 cc's of fluid of my knee. That's how it just kept getting swollen. It wasn't healing right. It kept, messing, kept being, I'm on crutches. And I go to chapels and I go to this, they had this thing called pursuit on Monday nights, which a lot of people said it was to find God, but most people knew it was like the best dating service in Kirkland. <laughs> so everybody was trying to find the one that was worshiping Jesus, right? Oh, that's my husband over there. But I remember going and, and calling on God and worshiping and I just felt dead inside. You ever had that moment where it's like nothing's connecting? My worship, everything about me just feels dead. Like, wh where's God in all of this? And so I remember going back to my dorm room, and I was so, I'll just be straight with you, I was so angry with God. I was just so hurt. I felt like the world was against me. I felt like nothing was going right. I was struggling with loving Jesus, and I was thinking, man, is, is this even worth it studying to be a pastor? Maybe I should switch majors. You know how you have these crazy thoughts? Maybe I should go do business. Maybe I should do blah, blah, blah. And I start thinking all these different things. And I finally stopped whining long enough to hear the Holy Spirit say, sing. And I thought, no. So many of you know my cousin Shea. 
She's an amazing musician and singer. That's the other side of the Linseth family. We are not singers on my side of the Linseth family. My dad actually leads worship. My mom plays the piano and sings, but my brother and I, uh, we just look for the best basketball court as soon as possible. And I remember the Holy Spirit saying, sing. And I'm like, God, I'm so dry. I'm so weary. I don't, I don't want to sing. And I, I just kept wrestling with that. And he just kept saying, sing. And what was interesting was I started going through all these songs in my head that were kind of like the newer ones. And he brought me to a song that my grandma Marion used to sing. It's an old song. And it starts like this. Say the name of Jesus. Say the name so precious. No other name I know that can calm your fears, dry your tears, wipe away the pain. When you don't know what else to pray, when you can't find the words to say, what do you do? You say the name. And I'm telling you, that moment Jesus filled my dorm room, and I was never the same. Never the same. The world wants you to be silent. Your flesh wants you to be silent. And God's just saying, praise me. I've already won the victory. If it's not good, God's not done. I want to challenge you right now. Will you stand with me? And we're going to sing this song together because God's not done with you. He's not done with Portland. He's not done with your family. He's not done with this church. Your best days are right in front of you. Would you lift your hands with me? Come on, everyone across this room. Let's lift our hands together. This is for Jesus. This is for your spirit. Come on. Let's worship him together. Let's sing this out, Chip. Come on. You ready? Oh, say the name.
This is a holy moment right now. I just believe there are people here that don't know Jesus. If you're here right now, just put your hands down for a second. If you don't know Jesus, what an amazing day to receive Jesus as your personal Savior and Lord. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you come out. All I ask is you lift your hand where I can pray with you right where you're at. Maybe you're online. You can put it in the chat as well. But if you want to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, maybe for the first time you're coming back to God, would you raise your hand? I want to pray for you right where you're at, right where you're at. I see that hand. That's amazing. Come on. Anybody else? Come on. I see that hand too. That's so powerful. That hand. That's amazing. Come on. Give the Lord a shout of praise. There are people coming to God right now. That's so cool. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That's so great. As a family, would you repeat this prayer after me? Say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I repent and I turn to you. I'm going to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord one more shout of praise. People know Jesus. Come on. We love you, Lord. You are worthy, God. We love you. We're, we're going to continue to sing a song that's called Living Hope. We fight. We don't fight. We fight from victory, not for it. And I, my challenge to you is to remember that as you worship Jesus, you have a hope that cannot be shaken. It cannot be thwarted. Jesus already won. So I want to challenge you. Worship in ways that you've never worshipped before. Maybe you need to get out of your seat and come up to the front. I'm all for that. Let's worship Jesus with abandon. It's going to be amazing. Let's lift him up and let's praise him. And then Pastor Milo is going to close afterwards. We love you. Let's worship Jesus together. above every other name, the name at which all will bow in heaven and on earth. We praise your name, Jesus. You are our living hope. Our hope is found in you, Jesus. And we thank you this morning. Here on Pentecost Sunday, I'm reminded when Jesus, when Jesus rose again, he said, it is for your good that I go away so that the advocate can come. And as a disciple, that would have been hard to imagine. How much better does it get than Jesus? But that the third person of the Trinity would come, the Holy Spirit. 
And when the Holy Spirit comes, it fills you with dunamis power. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. So I want to pray for boldness because when you understand the power that's within you, there is nothing that can stop you. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And there is freedom when we walk in boldness and power with the Holy Spirit. So let's just begin to lift our hands and just say, Holy Spirit, I want a fresh outpouring. Holy Spirit, we want a fresh outpouring. Fill us. We want more of your presence. More of your presence. I thank you, Jesus, that right now that those who are facing addiction and battling addiction right now by your presence, Jesus, are being set free. I thank you that freedom reigns where your presence is. God, I thank you that you're bringing freedom to our minds, freedom from depression. You're replacing depression with joy. You're speaking peace where there's anxiety. God, I thank you for the freedom that your presence brings. And I pray, Father, as we go about our week, Holy Spirit, give us a boldness. Lord, I pray for a boldness, a holy boldness as we go into the grocery store, as we walk on our street, as we talk to our neighbor, a boldness to love like we've never loved before, a boldness to point people to you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, that you are the living hope and we get to tell everyone we come into contact about you. We thank you, Jesus, and we praise your name. And Holy Spirit, we thank you for being our advocate. We thank you for being our comforter. And so those this morning that need comfort, we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you fill them with peace, that you comfort them in their grief, that you comfort them in their pain, and you give them hope because you fill them with power. And I thank you for that, Holy Spirit. So be with us this week. May we be a bold witness for you. Jesus, our living hope. And in the mighty name of Jesus, we all said, amen. Amen, amen. Well, thank you for joining us today. And right now I'd like to invite Leroy back to the stage. Thank you for listening to the Portland Christian Center Podcast. If you'd like to hear more or learn more about us, visit our website at pcctoday.com or join us online for our live stream at 1030 at live.pcctoday.com.